Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Mara Distendahl will join us to discuss the scientist and the spy. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Well, in industrial espionage, we're on the brink of a technological cold war. Joining us to discuss this issue is Ms. Mara Vistendahl. Ms. Vistendahl has covered Chinese politics and is a correspondent in Shanghai for science. Her writings also appeared in The Atlantic, The New York Times, Popular Science, and Wired. Her book, Unnatural Selection, was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. She's penned the new book, The Scientist and the Spy, a true story of China, the FBI, and industrial espionage, which details this fascinating tale for a general audience. And Ms. Vistendahl, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you so much for having me here. Certainly a pleasure. Certainly a fascinating story you recount here in your book, The Scientist and the Spy. I'm curious how you became interested in this story. I was living in China working for science when I read a story about a man named Robert Moore who was found uh, near this Monsanto cornfield in Iowa. And his appearance there sparked a two-year FBI investigation involving car chases, surveillance planes, and airport bus. And I read that story and I, I wanted to figure out why all of this reaction. This really was at the heart of a deep-seated effort by Chinese company, as you point out, to discover trade secrets about corn. It was. Um, Robert Moore worked for a company called uh, DBN. It's a Beijing company. And they had this plan to sidestep years of research by literally stealing corn out of the ground in the Midwest. It was a somewhat harebrained scheme, but that was their plan, to take them back to China and reverse engineer the seed lines there. So they they obtained the inbred parents of the seeds, and then back in China they were going to recreate the the hybrids that result from those parents. Was this part of a concerted effort on their part, or the, the company was doing as one of many things to try to get ahead? Probably the latter. So it is a big company. They did have a number of other deals in the works. And even Robert Moore, he he worked on a number of legal projects as well. He originally took a job with the company in this kind of classic academic story um, after he could not find a tenure track position. And had nothing to do with the field that he studied of thermodynamics, but pretty quickly became clear that the company was going to ask him to um, do, engage in this illegal activity. He did become uncomfortable with that, but you know, ultimately he did not say no. Did he uh, have any help in his work, or was it all up to him? Yes, various colleagues came over from China at different points. At one point, the guys working for DBN even bought a farm in Illinois and 
you know, had some plan to use that farmland in service of this scheme. They even hired an Illinois farmer named Kevin Montgomery to um, be kind of the foreign face of the operation. So Kevin was hired as a consultant to work for the company. That went awry when the FBI showed up at Kevin's doorstep one day and turned him into an informant. So a plan that didn't quite go as planned. Right. right. From the FBI standpoint, how did they become aware of this and how well were they able to track the efforts of Robert Moore and his colleagues? The FBI learned of this incident in the Monsanto field, and there was one other similar incident in a DuPont Pioneer field, so another big seed company. And FBI Special Agent Mark Betton oversaw this investigation. It spanned several states, involved dozens of agents. And at one point, they were collecting evidence using a FISA warrant, which is a warrant that's intended to be reserved for extreme national security threats. Um, so this became, for the Bureau, a pretty high-level case. I mean, even just last year, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo flew to Des Moines to give a speech, and he mentioned this case as making an argument about the threat from China. Did Robert Mueller and his colleagues stand any chance? Did any of these seeds get across, or were the FBI on them on the whole way? The seeds did get to China. It's unclear exactly how many of them made it there. One of the questions that I wanted to raise in the book is whether the um, immense resources that the FBI has devoted to these sorts of cases in the past few years are worthwhile. So DBN is doing just fine now. There were some people in the book who ended up paying a price for what happened, but the company itself uh, is is doing great. And so you, you had this immense investigation waged in the name of protecting innovation in America, but it's unclear that it achieved the aim of crippling the Chinese company. So there's been a lot made, of course, recently with resources that's been devoted to investigating cases like this and particular issues regarding Chinese companies and are oftentimes based on racial profiling. Do the aims of the FBI meet their goals? Do they actually serve the purposes for which they're intended, these investigations? Well, there's been such an uptake in investigations that Chris, FBI Director Christopher Wray recently said that there are over a thousand investigations involving industrial espionage from China in the United States. That's a massive number, and I think in some ways it's similar to the U.S. reaction to 9-11, where you had this very legitimate threat of terrorism, but the question is overreacting to a legitimate threat. Um, there is very much a risk that that could happen with these cases as well um, because the FBI has a history of racially profiling Chinese-American scientists in the United States. In regards to some of those other investigations, are well-founded or upticks because of the ongoing U.S.-China trade war? Uh, it's been a mix. There have been a number of inve investigations that were well-founded. Um, there have also been cases where the FBI showed up at someone's doorstep with a battering ram and the person turned out to be innocent. Um, so we see both sorts um, in the past few years as this be has become a major counterintelligence priority. What happened to Robert Moore? Where is he now? And is DBN still trying to do things like this? Robert Moore right now is in a U.S. immigration jail awaiting deportation. And I won't give any more information. I want to ruin the ending. 
But Kevin Montgomery, his case also involved a number of twists and turns. You know, everybody in the book sort of goes on a journey through the course of the narrative. And I tried to structure it like a thriller um, so that it would be entertaining while also engaging with these high-level issues. Maybe to close that, what would you like people really to take from this really fascinating story that written about? You know, ultimately, I was aiming to leave readers with questions more than answers. One is what the best way to protect innovation in America is. Um, and considering that we have a research force that is so largely drawn from uh, people who are foreign-born and that many people come here uh, seeking the open environment and the freedom of speech that it can offer in America, um, that we have to be careful in in going after the threat from China that we don't um, end up behaving like China in the process. We were just talking with Ms. Mara Vistendahl. She's the author of the new book, The Scientist and the Spy, A True Story of China, the FBI, and Industrial Espionage. Vistendahl, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thanks again for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.